In today's episode of Simply Heard, I sit down with my neighbor, Pat Galen. We actually met each other when I was moving into my blue house and we just sort of hit it off. And ironically, we found out that we both are opposites, natural opposites in our personality types. I'm a huge psychology major and Myers-Briggs is something that I enthuse over. So I am an INFJ and she is an ENFP. And we just end up discussing about basically the workplace and how there is still inequality. We go over Black Lives Matter. We talk about being curious. And then it's just an overall flow. And you'll be able to hear this in our talk. And it's just a lot of spontaneous, lively enthusiasm. So this is something that I encourage you all to take away from this. And if anything, if you're a ENFP, find an INFJ. And if you're an INFJ, find more ENFP friends or whatever. And this goes for the same similar Maya Briggs types. If you know your natural opposite, definitely get together, come with ideas, do something together and make something amazing. Okay, without further ado, here is my discussion with my neighbor, Pat Galen. Hello, my name is Pat Galen. Um, I'm 48 years old. Guess I'm telling my age there. Uh, yes, so uh, I'm originally from Brooklyn, New York, born um, from Haitian immigrants. Uh, I have five brothers and a uh, half sister. Uh, I currently work in information technology, specifically in the cybersecurity field. I was born in Brooklyn, but I left Brooklyn in 1989, and then I was really, really lucky to get started with a uh, startup company. Uh, and I learned that's how I got into cybersecurity. So I learned a lot there. And then um, that ended when my company got bought up, which bought out, which is what startups look for. And um, I just did a lot of different cybersecurity roles. Uh, I ended up moving to Austin, Texas, which is where I am now, uh, to take advantage of the new Silicon Valley of the South. And uh, I'm very excited about the opportunities that um, seem to be coming my way. Uh, and in certain, during that search, uh, I ran into, uh, and luckily ran into Miss Stephanie Kong, uh, met her, who also works for a technology company, and um, we hit it off. And that is the reason why uh, I am doing this interview about, specifically about you know, female empowerment and um, females who work in any, in the STEM industry, in any of the STEM industries. So uh, thanks very much for having me, Steph. Yeah, no, um, and I'm definitely very fortunate to be interviewing you today, too. Um, I wanted to make sure that the audience had some context to how you got interested in cybersecurity, because typically that position, or even tech in general, usually, like back then, I know it was dominated primarily by males. It's like a male-oriented industry, especially like when it comes to technical coding and like learning more about the nitty-gritty there so like how did you get into it and how would you basically like tell other females who are interested what would you suggest for them if they wanted to get into that field well the truth of the matter is i think that um women are probably more inclined um to do well in technology because women are naturally curious um they think outside the box generally because they have to um, they tend to be, I think it's, it's very common for creatives. Um, if you have a creative energy, uh, and if you are, if you're good in crisis management, uh, which I am, 
<laughs> if you have five brothers, you have to. <laughs> um, and also, if you if you like fixing things. So since I was a little little girl, I always wanted to like fix things. If I saw something broken, I was just like, how do I put it back together? We shouldn't just like throw it away. How do I put things back together? And I've noticed that as a common theme in my life about like fixing things when, when my friends have a problem like well there's a way to get around this there's a way to do this like I was probably the original hack this life person that was a person that you would come to it's like I don't know what to do and I was like I know what to do or I don't know what to do yet but I'll figure it out uh and so it, it's just kind of like I kind of like was kind of pushed into the technology field and not even by me um people I, my first job, actually, I was like a secretary, and um, this, this secretary at a startup company, um, they were trying to figure out something. Um, they were trying to create uh, their own web portal for their customers, and they were, at the time, I think MindSpring was the big web hosting company, and they were like, if only we had access to MindSpring's portal, we could try to see if we can duplicate it and make it better. Um, and I was like, well, I have a MySpring account. <laughs> and they were like, you? <laughs> well, not really, but I tried to create a company with my friends and then we put this website together and we opened up a MySpring account. And they were just like in disbelief. <laughs> so uh, the next day I remember, you know, I logged in, I let them, you know, peruse, you know, my account configurations and all that kind of stuff. And then the next day, the, my boss, well, the agency that had me work as a secretary there mm -hmm. um, called me and she was like, they're very impressed. And I was like, what? They were like, they want to keep you on for a little bit. So fine, I was still answering calls and like routing calls. Mm -hmm. And then um, maybe it wasn't the next day, but like the next week. The, my, my boss was like, um, we want to hire you full-time, but not as the secretary. And I was like, oh, okay. You, you want me to like, you know, like do more, like do some like spreadsheets or something. And they were like, no, no, no. We want you to be tech support. <laughs> and I said, oh, no, 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 no. I am not as smart as you guys. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. And the one thing that still rings true today um, is that he said, it's not about being technical. It's about being curious. And if you're curious, curious enough to try to find out something on your own, then this is going to be a piece of cake. And I, and it's so weird, you know, 20 years later, actually it's almost 25 years later, I guess. Um, that's what I tell people. I tell younger people that it's like this. If you're curious, you can get in this industry and you can do very, very well. Curiosity is what got where Mark Zuckerberg came in, where Steve Jobs came in, where Bill Gates came in, where um, um, Elon Musk came in. You have to be curious. Where Thomas Edison and Benjamin Franklin, you know, you have to be, you have to want to know. And I think that's like the biggest thing. And if you do want to know, whether it's science, you know, trying to solve cancer or trying to find a cure for COVID-19. If you have that in inside of you, then STEM, I believe, is the way to go. That's amazing. You know, that's a really good answer. So that's really nice to hear that the curiosity still holds true to today. Um, would you say that there has been some differences? Because back then, I mean, technique has definitely evolved and has that like has new challenges arisen because of that? Is it now like different if someone needs to be like curious? 
Well, I think that it has changed the landscape, and I can say this as a manager um, who who I I came in uh, on a team at that particular startup that was all male, and then I was the first female and the first and the first black female. So I had to tackle race and a sexism, racism and sexism at the same. Not so much racism, but really sexism. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I would bring in women. And then what I realized is that when you come into a boys and an all boys kind of like environment where they're used to doing whatever they want to do, and then you bring in females and some of the females, it does seem to me, and I don't know, maybe you can assist me with that. Maybe you can share your experience, but it does seem to me like men put people in a put women in a box so like attractive smart we don't get this we don't we don't understand it and then so then they either focus on one so me which is in the environment that i was in i was just like she's smart so they couldn't see me as attractive but like we brought in these other younger women and they were like attractive but are they really smart? And like, why can't you be both? So I do think that that's something that now, I think this new generation it understands that, yeah, you can be both. But my generation and prior to, I don't think that they saw that. And it does play into how you're treated in the workplace. No, I totally agree with that. Um, because before coming into Box, I used to be, like, or work in a more conservative environment. And I can tell how there were different attitudes amongst different generations about how women should be. And also like if they should dress a certain way, because nowadays uh, with tech companies like, um, you know, Apple and everything, people dress very casually. And I know like, even when I worked at a more, you know, conservative environment, it was like you had to dress a certain attire. You can't just, you know, whip out your Birkenstocks or like um, shorts and everything. And so um, I think that's really empowering that you're sharing that. Um, like back then, was it really hard for you to get over, um, you know, being the only woman or did you feel like comfortable immediately? Like, how did you come to a sense of bringing in other women? Cause I know you mentioned that and also just like being comfortable in your own skin. Cause I would imagine it felt intimidating. Um, I guess it, it wasn't as intimidating, but I do think there were some instances where I had to call people out. There were actually a few, and there were actually a few where, like, the women, a couple of the women that I had hired um, had called me out, and rightfully so. Um, I I can go into the first incident where I called someone out, where um, at this particular company, and I wasn't a manager then. I, I was just, you know, um, support, and um, I had introduced, I introduced a lot of ideas, because uh, I'm just like a, I'm, I'm constantly about improving, continuous improvement. So we were like missing things because we would forget to put things on like, like that's why I love Google Calendar. We forget to put things on the calendar and then we would miss very important calls. So I was like, I think that there's some scheduler and we can, we can do this and we can do that. And at the time, I guess they just saw resistance in that. Um, and they were like, you, need, you want us to put every single event in the calendar? And I was like, yes. And they, I remember the whole room like kind of like giggling and laughing. And I, I was the only girl. Then I guess we missed a huge customer call. Huge. 
And somebody else said, we should put it on the calendar. And then they were like, yeah, I think we're going to do that. And I got up and I said, oh, so you just have to have, I think, I think, and I was kind of vulgar. It was the type of environment that, you know, kind of like allowed for it anyway. And mm-hmm. I said, oh, so, you know, you just need two balls and a penis to get an idea implemented, right? And like everybody shut up. Wow. <laughs> no, this is good. I'm just like, this I is really good. so angry. I was like, this is the same idea that I pitched a month ago. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, and it was met with criticism, not only just criticism, but like with laughter. Like I was a joke. Um, and ever since, and it was weird because ever since that, they were like, whatever she says, <laughs> whatever she says, they kind of like gave me a pass. And that actually, I, I took advantage and I implemented a lot of ideas that helped build the company. In fact, um, a couple of years ago, we kind of had like a, a reunion, unfortunately, mm-hmm. due to a sad event, but we had a reunion uh, of sorts and um, somebody came to me and they were like, you don't even know how much you influenced the company, almost in a way shaped this company. Um, and I was like, really? And he was like, you really, really, like, the, she was she was like a salesperson and she was like, we actually use some of, we use some of the ideas that you implement as a selling point. So, and you know, that makes me feel better than anything else, than any salary that you can give me. It's like, just give me credit. No, that's amazing. And I think that's really empowering that you called the right people out. Like for you, was it really hard to, you know, I know for like other listeners and, you know, other females who are listening, I know sometimes it can be hard for them to speak up. How, like, would you hone that skill or and how, like, how did you know, like, how did you know when it was the right time to like say something? No, I, I didn't know it was the right time. I just knew that, that it was the time. It, I was tired. I was like, you're not going to like sit here and like mm-hmm. laugh because I was humiliated. And then he says the same thing, and then he celebrated. There was no way I was going to say that. And I don't know, it, it could come from the fact that I had to deal with that um, growing up with um, mm-hmm. immigrant parents. So immigrant parents tend, many of them, are not as empowering to females. In fact, yeah. it's very rare. In, in fact, in many, many countries, women are just not considered equal, right? And we, we all know this. So even though I was the smartest in my family, mm-hmm. my brothers got all the perks. They got, well, they got all the freedom. Mm-hmm. And it was like, you can't go outside. There was one point I couldn't wear pants. So I had to fight. My, I couldn't get my ears pierced. Maybe that's why I'm, I'm all mm-hmm. over the place with piercings. So, um... I always had to fight to just just to get the same amount of, I don't want more, I just want equal. I want parity, you know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, when you don't get parity, it just makes you feel less. And, you know, at 16 years old, I ran away from home because I felt mm-hmm. less. Um, I felt like I was being treated less, even though I was doing more. And I think that it resonates for me because my father w- was, he's not so much anymore, but he was a chauvinist. He believed women believe, you know, should be in the kitchen. And, you know, I don't, 
in a weird way, he was just like, you can be smart, but this is this is the first and foremost thing. You know what I mean? Um, because he followed the Bible um, to the letter, <laughs> in a sense. Um, well, not really, but I think that people pick and choose, and he picked and choose the one that, I guess, suited him, you know? Um, so I just didn't, I didn't like that. I thought it was hypocritical, and I always kind of, I always resented that. Now, I'm not saying that I never fell into it. Sometimes I kind of like, sometimes you're indoctrinated and you don't even realize that you're fighting against it. Yeah. But I've, I've, I've been in relationships where I would like fall into that weird submissive role and then like, you know, like have to snap out of it. Like, or I would like talk to a girlfriend um, who's having an issue and I would be like, oh no, I'm sorry, you can't do that. That's that's not happening. Not on my watch. And then they would like turn the mirror to me, and they're like, "But you're doing the same thing." <clears throat> so, um, you know, it took some time, but I think something happens also too after the age of 35 that you kind of get tired, and you're just not going to do the same old, same old anymore. And I think that's what happened to me then. What would you say that internal change was? Um, if you can go into a little bit more detail into that. And then I'm also curious, like this is um, like a personal note too, because I know like I studied or even at like Box, we went over pay inequality and everything. And it's like people who are, you know, African-American, even if we're women, like Asians usually are paid a little bit more. Um, would, did you see that throughout like your career? And I feel like this is really impactful to like have you speak on that and then, um, hopefully like other people who are, you know, like not Asian or, you know, even African-American or Hispanic, they can find, you know, empowerment. No, I think that's a very good question. I still kind of like, don't really ask for what I want, um, especially when it comes to salaries, like negotiations. But there was an incident like when, you know, they were like, well, you're running the team. Like everyone sees it. And that's the set the startup. And um, so they were like, we're going to make you a lead. And I was so excited. They were like, it's going to be a $20,000 jump. And I was mm-hmm. like, oh, so cool. And then one of my closest friends, who is Hispanic, and he goes, look, no matter what you do, don't let them cheat you. Mm-hmm. That's what you want. And so I kind of was like, well, I don't want to rock the boat. You know, of course, you don't want to mm-hmm. risk even though my boss was like the coolest, he is still, he's still my friend, the coolest boss ever. And I didn't want to like rock the boat. I was just like, I feel lucky anyway. Um, but I, but it kept ringing in my mind what he said. And then I said, well, that's interesting. Nobody, I asked around and I said, what, did they make you a lead before they made you a manager? And they were like, no, I just went straight to management. And I was like, why did he say lead for me? So I said, so I sent an email and I said, look, um, everyone, no one, this is a new position. So are you saying that I'm not capable, even though I've been doing what everybody else is doing? And he quickly was like, no, I'm not saying that. And I apologize. Um, You should be manager just like everybody else. They went from this position to manager. And since we don't really even have a policy I, I think what he was trying to do, it wasn't even meant for me. He was trying to establish a policy. Like, you shouldn't just jump from 
this position to manager. There should be like leaders, but there was no power. So, and then I was thinking, why make me the first? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. why am I, why, you know what I mean? Why did you make <laughs> this guy who was like, he was like the youngest ever. Why didn't you make him the example? Why you make me the example? So even though I had all these years of experience, he would have rather get, he gave the 20 something year old, you know, man, yeah, yeah you know, man, or whatever. But me, he's like, I'm gonna think about that. And I don't even think he did it conscious. I think it was very subconscious. So, and so those are the things that I, that, you know, I had to, to run into. And yeah. then at the very same time, I was kind of guilty of doing it myself where mm-hmm. I would, kind of it's a double-edged sword but i was accused of giving females a pass and then i was also accused of being harder on the females so it was just weird yeah i don't think you can please everybody in a male-dominated environment i totally feel you on that because i feel like i think we're getting better like now it's better than you know 30 years ago with adding more female diversity but i do feel that there's still a pay gap and that still exists. And I mean, I do see, um, like this is in general, like, you know, males being promoted quicker than females. And um, I think with what you mentioned and how your story where they were trying to make you a lead <laughs> instead of just going to manager. Um, yeah, I just, I think that's good that you're sharing it because I'm like, you know, I'm finding um, like this to be insightful and and just double check, like you challenged, because you were able to challenge your um, boss at that time, correct? Um, yeah, was there yeah, any- no. yeah, yeah, yeah. That must have taken a lot, like a lot of strength. Yeah, okay. No, it did. I was stressed out, and I was just like, I don't, I don't know. I, I should just like kind of like go along with the flow, and you know. But I mean, I think for anybody who feels uncomfortable about anything, like you either have to be okay with being uncomfortable until uncomfortable is no longer okay. Mm. So, you know what I mean? And then when uncomfortable is no longer okay, you have to speak up. There is, there's nothing else. You are compelled to do so. There's nothing else you can do. You know what I mean? Like, you know how like, you got like a, I don't know, yeah. a cut or something or a, a burn or something, something minor. Yeah. And then like you scratch at it, you pick at it or whatever. And then like, you might think it's minor until then you're like, you know what? This has been going on long enough. I'm going to see a doctor and get this fixed. So you <laughs> have to get an analogy. Right. You have to, in my opinion, don't let things fester. You know, don't let mm-hmm. a cut become an infection because if, if, because mentally it was becoming an infection it's to my brain, to my health. I didn't want to go to work. I was just like, you know, I feel like everyone thinks I'm less, you know, and I don't feel like I'm less. So shouldn't I say that I'm not, you know what I mean? And all those things are going through your mind. And mm. You're not even able to deliver and you're not even able to produce. So you might as well just go ahead and just get it out there and then see, you know, what, you know, see what happens. And most likely it's not negative. And if it is, then you shouldn't be there anyway. That's a good way to put it. And like, I'm just curious too, did you talk with anyone about it? Like your friends and family? Cause I know you said you ran away from home at 16. So were you still in touch with family members? Yeah, no, no, no. I, I mean, I, but I don't, I never really talked to my family about mm-hmm. work decisions because I don't know. I don't, 
I've always had to do my own thing. Mm-hmm. You know, they wanted me to be a journalist um, because they said when I was little, I said I wanted to be, a, I did, I wanted to be a writer and I wanted to be like a reporter mm-hmm. and, you know, journalist. And because I didn't make that goal, it's almost, and because I didn't graduate college, by the way, I'm not a college, I'm not degreed. Uh, all that I have is from experience is what I call, you know, OJT on job training. Um, and you might know this, I don't know, coming, you know, when you, when you have immigrant, they just immigrant parents, or you come from or raised in an immigrant family, they just value college degrees so much. And no matter, I can become a millionaire and it still won't mean anything to my parents. So I don't discuss my, 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 well, my dad is not that way, but my mom is. So, because they're like, that's the Holy Grail, and you never reached the Holy Grail. So I don't really discuss. I, I, ne- I never, I never discuss those things. And no one I know works in IT. So I, I'm the, everyone that works in IT is male. So, so I would just go back to my male friends. <laughs> How long yeah, did it so take, long- like, for you to come to that decision to like speak up? Oh, not long. Maybe about a week. Maybe about a week. Actually, yeah, about a week. That's amazing because I feel like, you know, um, and this was like back then, and I know um, that was definitely like more male dominated. And I think that says a lot that you're able to like speak up. And I totally relate with you um, on the immigrant side because even like in my current position, I don't really talk to my family about um, what I should do. <laughs> like if there's something that's coming up, um, like, for one, they wouldn't know because they didn't get a college degree. And so you're right. Like they wanted all their kids to get a college degree. Um, I did, but it wasn't psychology. It was com- something completely different. Um, but it's just that they, they just can't advise me on what to do because they never. Yeah, you know, it's so weird. My mom told me a story <laughs> about one day and, and Haitian people are, I don't understand why they're so big on it when a lot of them don't have degrees and have become sex- successful. But like, it's just, it's just like they're brainwashed. <laughs> but she told me this story one time and it's, it's always resonated with me about like these really, really, there were well-to-do Haitians and that's not very easy in that culture. Like you generally come from money or generally if you got money, your parents got it through nefarious means. And in Haiti, there's a lot of corruption. So anyway, but anyway, he came from a, a rich family, whatever. And they just, they were just like, you're going to be a doctor. And they had like indoctrinated him since he was a little, but he never wanted to be a doctor. So he did everything. And then, <laughs> I don't know if this is a wise tale, but my mom tells the story. And even though she tells the story, she still does what she does. He got his medical degree after going to a fellowship and everything <laughs> and gave the degree to his parents and said, here's what you wanted. I'm out. Wow, <laughs> that's a long investment. I and and, and I, I don't think my mom realized what she did by telling me that story because it only emboldened me. <laughs> I, I was just like, he had money, he had everything, and he, he, he still was unhappy because he was not doing what he wanted to do. He was being forced. He, was, he felt compelled to please his family. Yeah. And that I don't think is healthy. And here he is. What are they going to do with that piece of paper? <laughs> <What>? <laughs> <laughs> she told me that about 25 years ago. I still repeat the story. It's so weird. It's like, but you know what's so weird? I have five brothers, right? So it's a total of six, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
three of us don't have degrees and three of us do. The ones that don't have degrees, one of them, he has his own, he's a mechanic, he has his own shop. The other one, he, um, he does like sales, like cars, like mostly he works in the automotive industry doing car yeah. sales mostly. And then there's me who I freelance doing IT security. Mm -hmm. But she would talks more about the ones who have degrees, even though they're not a hundred percent doing as well. We're all kind of struggling. I think everybody's struggling, yeah. but like she, she gives more credence to them, like more credit to them. My father had an affair when I was, I don't know, I guess one year into the marriage or something. I mean, when my mom was a year into the marriage mm -hmm. or whatever with an ex. And then it produced uh, my half sister who lives in Seattle and she's a wonderful woman, wonderful, wonderful woman. So uh, yeah, but we, we weren't, we weren't raised with her. Mm -hmm. uh, her mother was American. So she has, uh, when we, when we, when we talk, mm -hmm. It's like you can see the difference between being raised in a Caribbean family and being raised in an American family. It's kind of interesting. I think that's unique that you've seen like different perspectives and everything. I was just curious if she, you know, maybe felt the same way um, with at least like the woman inequality in the workplace. Um, I know Seattle is historically like a tech area, so I don't know. It wasn't sure if she's in tech as well. So I just wanted she's not in tech, um, but she she does like sales for a lot of tech companies, which I think is interesting. But actually, she is more technical, which is, she started kind of like being the person. It's kind of weird where she <laughs> was like, but more software based where she would like teach people how to use software. And then uh, then she got a job just like selling, selling that. So she goes to college, she travels all over. I, every time I see her Facebook, I'm like, how is she living the better life than I am? What's happening? <laughs> travels all over, but I hate to fly, so I can't be too jealous. Um, but yeah, no, no, no. She's um, she's very remarkable. Uh, she has a, you know, it's kind of weird. She has a, um, how old is he now? She has a son who looks exactly like one of my brothers. I did wow. a Facebook post, and I was like, which one is the uncle and which one is the nephew? And people kept saying they're the same person. I'm like, <laughs> it's so weird how <laughs> true. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, it's really cute. So, um, but yeah, no, she's remarkable. Um, she did, she is sort of technical. She's techie savvy. She's not on my level, but she's techie savvy for sure. For sure. Do you guys empower each other? Just like a build off on that. We don't talk very often. I talk um, with her on Facebook on occasion. Uh, she came to visit um, me and my brother in Florida, maybe about a year and a half ago. Uh -huh. um, but we don't, we're not like in the same circles. It's different. I, like, it's not like I feel awkward. It's just that like, mm -hmm. we're just, it's almost like, I don't know, like, I don't know. I love her to death. It's just, we just don't have that vibe. And me, I'm, it's very hard for me since I'm a techie. I don't get along with, I don't, I do get along with people, but a lot of people don't get my vibe, you know? So, which is why I live a very solitary life. <laughs> gotcha. Um, and I also like, know like I'm transitioning back to like where you are now. So like, I know you mentioned that you had like hop to different places. Um, like how has that been? And also like just speaking on that. Cause I feel like 
I feel like uh, I don't want to like generalize, but for, I mean, for me, because like I moved um, like a couple of times and I know it can be exhausting. So I think it says a lot that you're willing to like make huge transitions because going from, um, I know you mentioned you're from Florida, like you were at Florida and then you moved to Austin. And then prior to that, you moved to Georgia. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think when I, once I moved from Brooklyn to um, Florida, which was a huge culture shock. Yeah. I mean, we lived in the project of Brooklyn. So we were, we were project baby. We were raising the projects. Um, and thank God my parents had the foresight to see that that is not where you should raise kids. And they had this dream of theirs. And my mom worked really, really hard. She, she went to, to school and became a nurse. And my father, and all they did was like work OT. Like I was the one that was like watching all of my brothers while they, wow. were, they worked overnight and they chose to work overnight jobs because they got you know, extra money for working. Mm. And then in, in their minds, they were like, um, then we can take care of the day-to-day, you know, sleep, take care of the day-to-day, make sure um, we can get get you ready for, um, um, you know, for them to go to sleep. They would coach me on certain things, you know, start dinner, I would finish dinner, you know, that sort of stuff. And it was it was kind of very, co- it was really cohesive. Yeah. Um, yeah, uh, and so, because of that kind of work ethic, uh, I think that's where I get my work ethic because I always just like, uh, first, <laughs> it's funny, I tell them I'm lazy. I'm like, I'm like, Ma, you don't even know. I'm like the laziest person in the world. <laughs> <laughs> like for a lot of, I bet for a lot of people, like our listeners and everything, um, I don't think any family's perfect. And I feel like the fact that you're like being so vulnerable, it's very like empowering for me, like even if there's like no listeners or whatnot, um, I feel like it takes a lot of strength to come to these conclusions. And it was, you know, really rewarding for me to hear like how you decided, hey, like this is what I need to do. I need to move to a um, I think what it is, is that if you allow your parents to treat you like a child, mm-hmm. then they will. <laughs> and when I was like, nah sorry i'm out then they were like okay yeah all right well she's an adult so let's uh you know help her along our way and it's been like that ever since and it's very strange because only like a few months later um one of my other brothers followed and then a year later another brother followed and then um we had these neighbors mm-hmm. that like they were jamaican but they had like a similar setup they had like a lot of boys mm-hmm. and two of them followed <laughs> Wow. So it was like I started a trend. <laughs> like, you can be independent. <laughs> no, I think this is um, good. And I feel like, um, yeah, like I feel like nowadays it's just like every, well, I don't want to like generalize, but more women are becoming more career oriented. And I feel like, um, you know, sometimes it like comes at a cost of like, you know, having kids or something. Um, and I know like for you, it's worked for you, right? Like you said, um, being like into the solitude thing. I know like, I mean, at least for me, like, even though I'm in my, like, early 20s still, I'm getting, like, pressure where it's, like, you better get married, you better have kids or something, and I'm, like, no, that's not for me. Um, what would you say to that, like, in general to give, you know, the female, our female listeners, um, in, even in, you know, anyone else who finds, like, wisdom in this, like, how, like, do you not get pressured into, like, putting well, that no, I, I, You know, I, I, I put pressure, I didn't want kids, um, I still kind of do, but I'm too old now. Um, but I didn't want kids, and um, it just didn't happen the way. And this is where I feel like 
in a sense, I, I did feel myself because I kind of like fell into this whole thing. I was like, well, I have to get married. I do not want to have kids without, you know, a father. So that, and this is why I believe that you really, really have to think for yourself and take away the blinders that your family actually put on you and society too, you know? Yeah. And when I say family, I don't mean just like, your your you know your mom and your dad your brothers your sisters I mean even your friends I mean society I mean like fit your coworkers like you know so I was just like I need to be married 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 and then thirty came along I wasn't married forty came along I wasn't married now I'm forty eight and I'm like and it's too late <laughs> so well technically it's not too late really yeah you know? um. And I think I'm still holding on to that. I need to be married. So I think. <laughs> Which is so ridiculous. When you think about it logically, it's so ridiculous. Um, um, so, but if you don't want to have kids, I think that's actually good. <laughs> like, <laughs> no, I mean, like, good to know that about yourself. Like, a lot of people have kids who shouldn't, men and women. So, like, a lot. Like a lot of people have pets that I'm like, you shouldn't be a pet owner. You don't, you know what I mean? Like, there's some people, or like even like, have you ever met a coworker that you're like, you should probably be in another department <laughs> where you don't actually like. I've met HR people who probably who, who say they hate people. Like, well, then you probably shouldn't be in HR because you have to deal with people. <laughs> yeah, you know I mean, like you have to know who you are, and if you do, and if you know, like kids not for me uh, man I'm like a-okay with that I'm a-okay you know and and if you do want kids and you're like well I don't really want to like I, you know what I really don't like I don't like those shamers of like people who who, yeah. who shame people who get to sur- who do surrogates mm-hmm. um if you feel like you know I don't want to put the strain on my body but mm-hmm. I do want to have a child do that if you want to save a child that, that's that's here already in the world, do that. But know who you are, you know, that, because to me in life, there is no take backs. <laughs> no, that's super empowering. I feel like, I mean, I have friends who are like older too, like, you know, in their late thirties and um, early forties. And I feel like for a while they had the same thought process where they were getting very like self-conscious where it's like, oh, I need to be married at like, you know, by a certain age point, otherwise it's too late. Or, um, you know, if a kid doesn't come around at like 38, they're like, oh, <laughs> this is like, you know, bad for me. I'm like, they're, you know, getting depressed about it. Um, and then for me, like, I mean, I'm still like in my twenties, so I'm just like, I'm doing what I can to help out. But I mean, what do I, like, I, like, I'm not at that life stage. So I feel but like- you have, I mean, you have time, but you know, the weird thing is, I think the worst, is when it comes from my like my male friends um like i had a conversation with one of my younger friends i think he's about 35 and he was just like so how's the dating situation here in austin and i said well I, you know it's COVID 19 you know but yeah. i'm not really <laughs> interested as much anyway and he was like well it's probably good because um you know you're 48 and you don't have kids and most likely you're going to date men who have kids. And he was like, at this point, you're not really, he said it in a way, but he was, he was trying to, I, I, I guess he was trying to be nice, but he, he made it seem as though like that it was over. 
Like he was like, who's gonna date a forty-eight year old? Like why would they date? Why would you? Why would you date a forty-eight year old? And I was like, I, well, I don't understand. And he was just like, but because the younger girls, they'll do whatever. You know, their bodies are nice. You know, they generally you know cater to men. You're not willing to cater. And I said, no, I don't have to. They should be catering to me. He said, okay, so strike one. <laughs> and he was just like, and you're old, so it's not like you're going to be able to give them a baby. And he was like, so strike two. And then he was just like, and then you're intimidating because you have everything. And some of these people, some of these guys are like just starting to, to get on their footing. And he was like, and you're not really willing to like deal with that. So strike three. And I said, well, so now you're asking me about this? That's why I'm solo. So if you think this way and everyone else thinks it that way, then why should I get out into the dating pool? And it's just, it was this weird, actually, I think I hung up on him. <laughs> 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 Which I never do. He's one of my closest friends. I never I never hang up. I think it's a, mm. a real sign of disrespect. But I was just angry. Um, angry because there was truth to it. Truth to it. So that's why I say, when you make a decision about bringing children into your life, and when you make a decision about like choosing a partner, um, don't make the decision about the now. Make the decision about you know what happens ten, 10 years from now. What happens twenty years from now? What happens thirty years from now? You know, think about the the worst. Think about the best and everything in between. Is that how you keep hope too? Like, cause I know you said you like, I mean, I know you probably would like are thinking about pivoting a little bit cause you still want kids, but maybe it's not in the way. Like that's what happened to my older friends too. Like originally they wanted to have biological kids, but when, you know, 40s coming in nearby, they're like, okay, this might not be a possibility. So I probably like look into adoption and stuff. Um, is, is that the same conclusion where you're arriving at as well? Yeah. Yeah, it is. And, um, or a surrogacy. Um, um, yeah, um, I, I just feel like I can't be close. Like, I'm not going to be close to the idea. I went to a, um, I guess maybe about 42, about six years ago, I went to a doctor, mm. just, a, just a regular doctor or whatever. Mm. And she happened to be pregnant at the time. Mm. And she was in her early 40s. Mm. And um, I had told her what a previous doctor had told me because yeah. he kind of was like, eh. Like, and it was a male. Yeah. And he was just like, eh. Oh. He's like, you're overweight. You have all these problems. I mean, really? Like, he was like, really? <laughs> wow. That's a good bedside manner. And so I told her about it. And she was just like, <laughs> honey. <laughs> she was from Venezuela. I think. She was so funny. Yeah. I, I, no, her name was Dr. Carmen Villanueva. Wow. I'll never forget her name. Yeah. Um, and she was like, I am not, I'm over 40. And you see, you see me. And I said, yeah. So she said, so if you want a baby, you can have one. Maybe you can't have one, whatever. Mm -hmm. She was like, I, you, she was like, I'm looking at your, your vitals. Yes, you can. You can have one. Um, and she was just like, just don't let anyone tell you what you can and cannot do. And that's how I feel like, like, whatever you think that you can't, you won't, there most likely is a chance that you can. It might not be in the way that you want, but you can. And I believe that. So in a sense, I have hope. 
but I know that it might not possibly be the way that I want it. Just like in, like, you know, finding freedom was not in the way for my parents was not a hundred percent in the way that I thought it would be, mm-hmm. but I found it nonetheless. I think that's empowering because I feel like people who are like listening to this podcast who are, you know, um, like <laughs> a little bit older than where I am, like, you know, have more experience. I feel like this is something that they would f- probably draw strength from. I know I have older friends, um, one's approaching her forties. Like this is something that she probably like needs to hear too, because, um, I mean, I know it's like a struggle, like what I know, like more women are entering the workforce, but now it's like people are delaying, putting things off like marriage, <laughs> having kids and everything. So this is something that, you know, comes like more into mind, also infertility and stuff. And I think it's really good that you're like speaking out about it. Cause I, for me, it's empowering to hear the other side. Um, and I really like respect that. I think that's really cool that you're being so open about it. Um, and so like, it's something that I'm like, wow, um, like, it's something that I don't know. I just like learning. So this is something that I wouldn't have thought of if I didn't like know you <laughs> or like, um, cause I was actually curious to how like my older friends are thinking. Cause technically when I was a teen, they helped raise me. Um, so. Well, I mean, if you think about it, like, so my mom had five kids mm-hmm. and we're all a year apart. Right. <laughs> I think had given, so that means like when I, when I would tell people when I was younger and I would tell people we're all a year apart, like the older people, I, I never got the joke. And they were like, your father never let up. Huh? And I was like, huh? And then I realized that, you know, when you start to learn about the birds and the bees and then like, you know, how long pregnancy takes, I'm like, wait a minute, nine months. Then she got pregnant again? Nine <laughs> months. Then she got pregnant again? <laughs> I guarantee you, if my mother had a choice, she believed because of the way she was raised, she didn't have a choice. I don't think she would have had six kids. I don't think so. I think she would have stopped at number three, like, hey, hey, stop. <laughs> no more. Now, I'm not saying that she's not happy. She, she loves all her children. Yeah. But I'm just saying that I don't think she had agency. I have agency. And to me, that is the... When I... When I felt like I had agency, it was like giving birth. It was like giving birth to a new me. So in a sense, I am a parent. (laughs) A parent to a new me. No, that's a refreshing way to look at it. And I feel like the silver lining is, I feel like it's honestly better to be single than, you know, divorced with four kids. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. One of my favorite sayings is from... um, it's kind of similar. It's not exactly the similar, but mm-hmm. it's one of my favorite things. It's from uh, Kelly Ripa mm-hmm. um, a long time ago. And she's still married to her husband. Mm-hmm. And she said, what well, she said that she had had a, she had a load when she first got married. She never had like that huge, yeah. big, big wedding. 20 something years now, later, <laughs> she was like, we never had this big wedding. We just never did. We never believed in that. And she said, and she's from like Long Island, like wow. that, where those they like yeah. the big hair and the big white ruffle dresses that are tacky as hell. <laughs> and she said, I just knew that I would. Ra-. She said, I saw so many people in my family and friends, whatever, getting divorced. And she said they would have huge, lavish we- weddings, spending twenty, thirty thousand dollars, and then like five years later to get divorced. She said, I always, she said, and she said that she had learned this as a little girl. That was something for her. Mm-hmm. Um, 
that I wanted, I didn't want a big wedding. I wanted a big marriage. And I think, and I said, that is profound. That is profound. Because why would you put all that effort in just that one event when you still got 25, 30, 40 years? Invest in that. Invest in the marriage, not the wedding. And I feel that way about everything in life. Don't invest in the moment. Like, you know, like everyone talks about having a baby and, you know, investing in that one moment. But what about the rest? What about the rest? What about, you know, those, the, 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 the uh, what do you call it? The terrible twos. What about the first day of school? What about when they become a teenager and they, and they tell you they hate you every day? I think what you're saying is profound because I do have um, a couple friends actually that focus more on like going to Japan instead of like spending 30 grand on um on just like on that one day because it's just like that's enough to get a car or like pay off a loan or something or put down a down payment or mortgage so I feel like no I, I feel like that's profound that you're saying that because I feel like um, society makes us think a certain way where it's exactly like what you mentioned, like, this is how it should be. I know in China, like for a while, it was like, you were only supposed to have one kid. If you have any more, um, like you can't, you shouldn't have more. It should be a son. It, just, it makes no sense. It's like, first of all, I'm already in a submissive uh, 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 culture. You're blaming me. You want me to say no to my husband? <laughs> you know, it's like you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't. So yeah, no, I totally get it. It's just it's just strange, and 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 this is why I think women sharing with women, especially women of other cultures sharing with women of yeah. other cultures, because then you see that there are a lot of similarities, especially when it comes to chauvinism and sexism. There's a lot of of things that are in common, and a lot of things I think that we just take on, and I don't know is it. Maybe that is something subconscious that women do that's only specific to women. Mm. But we just like, we just kind of like um, internalize it. And then I know like for a time, um, there was that struggle where it's like, cause I, I mean, I like how like you're, you're right. Cause like, I feel like even though, I mean, I am pretty much like independent out here too. Cause all my, you know, family, they're in Pittsburgh. But um, so like, I definitely relate with you on that. And I feel the same way where it's like, just because I'm independent out here and like, it looks like all cool in that. It's like, no, like if someone offers me help, I'm going to take that help because I feel like everyone needs to help each other in these times. Um, yeah. You, yeah. Like how did you motivate yourself? Because I know um, like you talked about, like not worrying about like if you get evicted, whatever, but it's just, that um, how did you like still, you know, motivate yourself? I feel like it's empowering too, that you decided to quit that job that you're cur- like before um, prior and you recognize that, hey, like this isn't a good fit. Um, like, how do you come to that decision? Because sometimes people stay at talk- toxic jobs. Um, you don't have to tell the company, you don't have to name the um, company. I-, I know, but like, uh, I- you don't have to name it, but like that decision, because like, you know, sometimes it's like, um, like you're right, because people like, they stay tied to toxic, you know, places um, because they're like, I need to pay my bills. But I feel like it's empowering that you're like, no, I can, you know, hopefully find something better. Well, I think in the in the end, like I was like, well, what's the worst I can have that can happen? <laughs> Did I move back home with my mom? Well, I moved back home with my mom like three times already. <laughs> mm-hmm. And in fact, I think right now that I'm not there, I think she's like really like 
I wouldn't mind if you moved back in. You know what I mean? So yeah. I was just like, I have a place to go. And I was just like, and, and at the very least, I have five brothers. <laughs> there is no way I would be on the street with five brothers. And if, if, if that's the case, <laughs> then I might as well disown them now. Right? Uh, so, that, so it was that. And then I was just like, <laughs> well, first of all, where we live is really, so I have like a, I'm a little bit of a bougie, you know, bougie girl. <laughs> so I was like, I don't know what I'm gonna do, but I really like it here, and so does my dog. And I'm gonna <laughs> find a way. And this is why I'm here in Austin. It's the home of the, it's the Silicon Valley of the South. There is no reason why I shouldn't find an opportunity. So I just, you know, hit you know, Monster and Dice and all those job websites. I talked to you, I talked to other people. And then, and then even even like, I was like, like you know, I'll just volunteer somewhere just to get, you know, just to keep active so that I wasn't stagnant. So I still felt motivated. Um, and I did, and I, and I, I think energy is a really, really big thing. Cause there were times where I would feel hopeless and then mm-hmm. end up being, giving off that energy especially during interviews you can't give it off and then it's a turn off and then you don't get mm. the job so i was just like i'm keeping up that positive energy or whatever um and that's what i did um but i guess maybe because of past past experiences and uh i i just stayed relentless relentless i stayed positive and it worked out. Friends loaned me money. Uh, my family loaned me money uh, just for little things like overhead. I ran favor. I still run favor. Um, I was just like, oh, this is so cool. All I had to do is sit in front of HEB and just pick up people's groceries. And drop them <laughs> sure, you know, but like I didn't have a car in Florida. I got a car here. I wasn't able to get a place in. in I, I was looking for jobs in Florida for so long. And when I moved here, the jobs were like all over the place. So I was like, there's a reason why I'm here in Austin and I'm gonna make it work. So I just didn't lose faith. I just, because I just felt like this is where I'm supposed to be, even though it's hot as hell here. That's <laughs> <laughs> so funny. Um, no, I love your spirit because I feel like, um, especially during COVID times, people are like, oh, well, there's no more of the job markets. You know, it's easy to go to that thought process. And I love how you were able to find, you know, opportunity and still keep motivated because I feel like, your work ethic, like doing favor. <laughs> how do you, I think that's how you pronounce it. Favor? <laughs> favor, yeah. <laughs> um, doing those runs definitely like, you know, helps, you know, keep your mind from being, going into that mindset. Um, and I feel like that's empowering that, you know, um, leaning on friends and family. I feel like that um, says a lot. Cause I, I know like from different cultures, even from like, I don't want to speak to every culture, but from at least the Asian culture, sometimes if you go on like, if you're like, I need to go take a food stamps or something, it can be like, oh, because it's like that, you know. Um, yeah, no, no. No, my parents are like that, too. They're like, they're like you know, <laughs> a lot of, I, I guess, in, I think that's because there's a stigma. Because I, I noticed that from a lot of in, uh, children of immigrants, they're like, my parents would never get on welfare. I don't have no problem. I apply. Employment. <laughs> I figure I pay taxes into that, so yeah. so I don't feel the same way my parents do. But I get, but they, I, I know that they can kind of like put that on you, and then it makes you afraid to say anything. But I have no problem getting. On. I'm still trying. I'm like I'm only two weeks into this job, so I should be able to get unemployment, 
they have a Texas Texas uh, rental program. I'm sorry, yeah. I don't have no problem with any of that. No, and I think <laughs> if that's I, good. If I qualify. Yeah, and I think that's good um, because, like, honestly, like, there's this Texas like musicians thing, and it's like if you make a certain bracket. Um, you know, you can get on that. And then for me, like I got contact and I'm like, sure, why not? I'll take any help I can get if I qualify. I'm the same way. Cause it's just like, uh, yeah, like right now it's not the time to be choosy where it's like, um, especially with, you know, today's economy, even in tech, like tech industries world, um, Uber, like Airbnb, like all these big companies, it's just like layoffs or it's like paycheck cuts. And even people who are still in jobs, um, I feel like it's still a struggle because it's like, well, you know, the promotions are getting stalled or like, because there's not enough of a budget. <laughs> so it's always like, I feel like everyone's like suffering to some degree. Absolutely. You know, I remember I was working with this guy years ago and he had said how he, um, he had he was friends with mm. someone who he you know he, he kind of always felt in a sense a little inferior because he didn't make as much the guy mm. was like a millionaire yeah and then he said but it taught him a lesson because then the um they only had one child yeah and the child was diagnosed with leukemia he said they blew through their money because of mm. course they loved their daughter Mm-hmm. To for all the treatments, so then when he he makes he started to make less than the than his than the, the so he was making more than than the friend that he's talking about. Yeah, he said it got so bad, and they were so desperate that mm-hmm. they sold their home and moved into like like some destitute sort of apartment just so that they can take that money to try to save their. Um, daughter. Mm. Luckily, they're fine. They got some donations. He was a church going guy. They got some donations to keep mm. keep the daughter healthy. But he said that to say, he said, I don't care how many millions you have. It only takes one event to turn whatever millions into zero. And so it's not about the money. It's about the life. It's about what you do with it, how you live it, how you serve, how you how you serve others, and how people you know how people serve you when you're in need. Uh, and I think that's the most important thing. I have this tattoo that says that. Kind of in a sense. Wow! No, this is so profound because I am totally in agreement um, with you. And I feel like for me, how I realized it early on is because um, like when I was younger, like we were like dirt poor, like my family and I were dirt poor. I had to like share a single like bedroom with my grandma, um, like two other sisters. And um, like, that was life. That was what it was. And it's just like, um, like we didn't want to go on food stamps, but it's like the school saw how we were impacted. And we technically were because the kids, like me, my sisters and I would get free lunches. So we were on that free lunch program. And that technically (laughs) is like a government assistance program. And um, I feel like it was hard for my parents to come to that. Um, and you're right. Cause like, I feel like everyone's just like one paycheck away from being homeless. And I feel like with COVID going on all these job cuts, um, like we're seeing that people going to like food banks and stuff. Um, and even on TV, like I've seen people in like Mercedes cars, um, you know, go like, you know, drive, like driving that. It's like people are, are choosing, you know, cars, like night fancy cars when they don't have the money, um, you know, and prioritizing that. Yeah. Yeah, and you know, people people don't understand uh, other people's uh, situations. Uh, most people that are driving those fancy cars are leasing it anyway. 
They know they're going to give it back. Yeah. I, I, no, I no longer judge and I no longer look, things, look at things from, from the exterior because I see, and even in my own life, I see that it's not always the, the case. Like, you know, I put on makeup because I have bags under my eyes. So, like, but you wouldn't know unless I'm totally wrong, right? You know, you know what I mean? Like, no one wants you to, no one wants to be seen totally wrong. I'm totally, uh, and as you can see, I'm, I'm, I'm guilty yeah. of that. Um, so that's why I don't judge. Um, and that's why I don't like when I see people who do, I call them out on it. You know, like, you know, just, just the other day, oh, well, or was it two days ago when I, I just found out that actor Chadwick Boseman from uh, yeah. Black Panther yeah. passed away sadly from colon cancer. Well, prior to that, he was seen out, I guess, with his yeah. girlfriend, looking very weird. Yeah. Well, looking sick. Mm-hmm. And the only thing that social media, mm-hmm. and I don't mean like news, mm-hmm. I don't mean the news media, I mean like people, were like, what's wrong with him? He looks like he's on crack. Is he on drugs? Blah, blah, blah. And now they're like eating, now they're feeling like crap. Because the first, they were just assuming the, the worst. Yeah. He was just sick. And, and thinking about it, they're like, Four year, four uh, year battle with cancer. That means during the time he was filming, he was sick, and he still had the strength. And we were, and not we, because I didn't criticize him, but yeah. people were criticizing the way he looks. Really? So you know, people in glass houses should not throw stones. No, and I think that's a good point. And I feel like sometimes, like I unintentionally, like yeah, like um. Yeah, I feel like I made the incorrect point, but um, my analogy was just like, I, what I basically was trying to say, we're all like one paycheck away from being like a, a lot of us, like, even though like, I mean, I'm in like me and you like are in a nice place. Um, I know. Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. So I'm glad that you like pivoted because I feel like sometimes I need someone to like, who's more experienced to help me formulate those thoughts. And I feel like <laughs> you're, you're good at that because um, I'm just like, yeah, sometimes I can be bad at it. But but look, here's the thing too, and and this is what I also yeah. do not like about um, immigrants that they also try to put on their children. Yeah, like you come here for a better life, mm-hmm. right? And then they expect you to kind of like stay, like like live destitute. Like, uh, no, mommy, I my mom <laughs> like the, the first thing my anytime if I get a little bit of struggle. Well, I told you, why did you get a two-bedroom? Because mm-hmm. I work from home when I need an office mom. And then I also, I thought about you getting a guest room when you when you are able to come visit me. It's not out of the norm to have a two-bedroom for a single part. Like, oh, you could, you know, you could have <laughs> got a studio and paid like less than a thousand dollars. Like, mom, I'm I'm not Haitian and I don't live in Haiti. Do you want to go back to Haiti? <laughs> <laughs> No, you're right. You're right. Cause um, <laughs> like even my friends, they're like, you can go to like, you know, um, like a cheaper place. Why do you need to live in a, you know, $1,400 rental place or whatnot? Cause this is, I feel like this is how much the rent here costs now. And I'm like, no, um, I don't want to live. I'm a small, tiny Asian girl. I don't want to go into like, um, you know, cause I mean, literally like, yeah. Yeah. It's on, you know, the only, let me tell you something. I have had a lot of people, in fact, like, um, 
one friend of mine came and was like, oh, <laughs> oh, this is how you live. <laughs> and I was just like, you mean nice? <laughs> this is nice. Oh. <laughs> and I just don't like that sort of reverse judgment. Like, like you know, you could live here too. You actually make the same kind of money like I do. <laughs> Unreal. I know I was. I thought I was the only one, but I, I. But I think that immigrant parents do this a lot. And I feel like even for me, like sometimes, like I'm guilty of slipping into that mindset because it's just what I grew up with. Where it's like, oh, and then someone corrects me, and I'm like, oh yeah, thank you. Um, and I think that that's good because I feel like, um, like this is in general, like even outside of just the female, you know, even the male dynamic, we all have to correct each other sometimes because it's hard to like not be fall into that judgmental mindset like even for me no no no. we're we're meant to judge yeah we are meant to judge we just it's 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 part of human nature um but i think that part of being mindful and mindfulness is to know when you're doing it and when you're doing it um own up to it and apologize if you if you offend someone so yeah but this this whole that whole thing i just i really don't like i don't like i feel like when you where you choose to sleep and have and habitat it should be the the best of what you want you know what i mean yeah. i don't i don't i don't i don't drive the best car i don't you know i don't wear the best clothes but i think you should sleep on the best mattress for you and live in a home that is the best for you. I do not want to live somewhere where I'm afraid to sleep. Does that make sense? <laughs> like, what is the point? Then I might as well be like the people that's living under the bridge. No, I feel like but, I'm just happy because you're so vulnerable and like so raw. And I feel like I'm drawing a lot of strength from it. Oh, good. Uh, well, I didn't, I didn't mean to cut you off. I, uh, yeah, feel free to finish. Cause like, whatever your point was, I'm just like, uh, no, I was going to say, uh, I was going to ask a question because this is the first time that I've seen so many homeless people out in, uh, outside of like San Francisco. Because I know that San Francisco has a huge homeless problem, but I have not seen anything like, well, San Francisco, I think Austin almost has, mm-hmm. is up there with San Francisco. And I don't know what, it, 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 it makes me sad and sometimes it makes me angry and I'm like how can I help and I was just wondering have you seen this before like I, I mean I'm born in Brooklyn so I've seen homeless people in certain areas yeah. of Manhattan yeah or you know in the in the suburbs yeah. but not like building tents where it's like a lot like <laughs> like it's actually a community of homeless people I've never seen that I mean for me like I came from Pittsburgh so I came from the northeast like compared to down here when I first moved down here my family when they like I I mean when they first like helped me and everything they just you know helped transition me over a little bit um I was just they were in shock because they were like oh my god it's a line of people um and they were like this is not how it is like in Pittsburgh and I remember like seeing how many you know homeless individuals and you know I feel bad like I definitely feel like you know, any of one of us, like, we're all just, you know, a health, health-related thing. It, it's like what you said, it doesn't really matter about the paycheck. It could be, like, 
you know, with the recent news of Chadwick Boseman, like, yeah, you can make all the money in the world, but you know, what if your health, like that can go out of a loop and, you know, um, so it's just like, we're all just something away from like being homeless or, you know, something being like taking us away early. Um, but yeah, like to your point, I was just like, oh my God, um, I just feel bad. And I feel like with COVID going on, it's probably even worse because a lot of people are out of their jobs, um, even at our current place, like, and we live in a nice place. Um, like there was free donuts like on Friday and I went, I don't know if you went, but like, um, I ran. I got your message late. <clears throat> oh, you went late. No, I got your message late. so I didn't <laughs> Okay. Well, I ran into, um, a couple other of our neighbors and I was like, Hey, how are y'all doing? And then, you know, um, one of them who is married, he was just like, well, I don't have a job. So nothing. Um, so it's really sad because it's just like, you know, um, but he was just like, thankfully my wife has a job, but you know, like we're all literally like one pay paycheck away from something. It's sad. That's, yeah, no, that's disheartening. And in fact, I, yeah, no, that's, that's really sad. And you know, um, I will say this, I, I was dropping off some stuff at the Goodwill around the corner. Mm -hmm. And um, I saw this woman, she had like a, a can, like a, Oh, you know, a plastic bucket, like, you know, in the median. Yeah. And, you know, you see them all the time. Um, and I was just like, <sighs> you know, do it. And I was, I, let me tell you something. I was being mm -hmm. judgy. And I had to check myself because mm -hmm. I didn't see. I saw her card and I, I, I saw, you know, she had a card in her hand or whatever. And then it, under underneath and then like the bucket. Mm -hmm. And when I finally, you know, passed. Well, I never have cash. So here's, and that's another thing I don't get, but. That's another topic. Like, I never have cash. I, I you know, I, I think that homeless people need to get get with that. Like, we don't, people don't carry cash anymore. Anyway, I like had this judgy, judgy thing. And then I saw, and she didn't, she, her, she was amputated. She was an amputee. Mm. And I was just like, and I remember saying, God doesn't like ugly. And I was being, you know, in my brain, I was kind of being ugly. Like, you know, oh, another one, you know, that's, that's pretty much what I said in my head. And then I saw that she didn't have an arm and I was just like, mm. she probably lost her job. Cause she was every, everything about her. She was clean, everything. And I was just like, who am, who do I think I am? I can, I can lose my legs just by turn, you know, as I turn, you know, and, and I have to constantly remind myself and we all do it. Look, we all do it. We all, it's just being conscious and being aware and thinking to yourself it could be you so that's how no, i try to live my life no that's 100 percent real because i feel like like even just growing up and stuff i've seen a lot and i feel like that's 100 percent valid um every one of us is just like we're all like i feel like we all have like you know certain flaws that we have to work on and it's just a matter about being self-aware and then you know <laughs> like not trying to judge people. I mean, we're all guilty of, you know, like what you mentioned, but it's just a matter of keeping a, um, ourselves in check. <laughs> yeah, you know what I, uh, is a good book and it kind of helps keep me mm -hmm. up, um, kind of keeps me centered mm -hmm. is, um, she's been on Oprah, I forget her name, but she has a book called The Universe Has Your Back. Mm -hmm. And it really is about like, you know, the universe pays you back pays you back good, bad, or indifferent. Put that out there, you get that back. You put good in there, you get them. And so I constantly, like, sometimes in the morning or before I go to sleep, 
Um, I'm not the most religious person, but I really started to become more, since, especially since I moved down here, more in tune with my spirituality. And not in like the Christianity sense, but just in the whole yeah. world vision of like what, yeah. what faith means. Um, and I always say to myself, as I drive, as I look at my dog, and I'm like, well, the universe has my back. Good, bad, or indifferent. You know, sometimes I'm not good. And when I'm not good, I get, you know, sometimes it comes back. <laughs> so, you know what I mean? Um, and it's really, it's really, really, what I, and sometimes I think about it, and I'm like, God, it really is that simple. You do bad, you get bad. You do good, you get good. Like, isn't that really simple? So, um, and so I try to remind myself when I get into those judgy, judgy moments where I'm like, look at those shoes. Like, why is she wearing that? <laughs> like, that's not, it's so juvenile in my, in my mind. So, no, let me not say juvenile. It's very elementary when you start to act that way. And we all can fall into it. And I just, you know, at nearly 50, I just, I just don't want to be that girl. I think not that's even, powerful. Yeah, not even because I think I'm going to go to heaven at the end of my days. It's like, I don't like it. I just don't like it. Even as I'm doing it, I'm like, oh, I feel icky already. Um, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, and I think that's empowering. Um, like, because I'm learning a lot too. And I feel like I still need to like learn a lot because I'm, I mean, I feel like, I'm a psychology major, so this might be a little bit more psychologically, like, you know, um, my explanation, but I know, like, in my earlier, like, as you're in your 20s, your prefrontal cortex, it's still developing, so that's, like, all the emotional mm -hmm. regulation, and also, like, your brain is in its final, like, second stage of rewiring, so this is the time if I want to, like, learn something, or, like, um, like, even just like control, like, my feelings a little more, it's still, like, this is the final stage for it, so I feel like it's, helpful to me for me like I know um like I'm still learning again um to hear like that wisdom and draw strength from people who are more experienced and have lived or been here on this earth longer because I feel like it's something that um I'm sure like other people my age need to hear like because like right now um it's just like I mean I feel like from what I've heard from my friends in your 20s, you're a little bit more anxious because you're still starting out your career you're at a different life stage so I can see how like it's hard to be more like aware and like cognizant of like how you're feeling and everything. Cause you're like, Oh, I have to go start f looking for a job. I have to go, you know, date or whatever. You're figuring out how to adult. <laughs> so I feel yeah, like and, and adulting <laughs> is hard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like bills. I'm like, Oh my God, all these bills. Um, I mean, which is fine. Luckily, like I have a job, um, so I, it can always be worse and I'm grateful for my job. So I have no complaints. Um, I feel like, like the final like question or like if you will have like what, two more questions, um, because I know, like I mentioned before, um, if you wanted to like test, like touch base on some of like the Black Lives Matter movement, because I know you mentioned about Chadwick Boseman. I'm sure like, you know, the listeners who are listening, um, I mean, they'd want to hear your perspective. And I feel like that's something that I wanted to learn because I can't, you know, I mean, I'm just different. Like, we're all different in our own unique ways. And I feel like... Yeah. Um, do you have a specific question? Or you just want to... 
just like how it's impacted you because I, I mean, even on LinkedIn and stuff, I see people um, understandably so post, hey, like, you know, we're trying to, you know, make our colleagues more empathetic or understand standing of our situations who are, you know, not this, of, of the same race, you know, and I actually do have like a Haitian friend who was struggling with, you know, everything that's going on with the shootings and everything. Um, and so like, I'm just trying to be more of an ally, if that makes sense. And I'm just like, I'm sure other people are trying to find ways to be more of like how to understand. Luckily, you know, I, I, I was good, but I did have a run in with the policeman at a store. At first of all, I drove like 23 hours wow. without, I was just like, I'm not going to the bathroom. I'm not, I'm not doing, I, I went to the bathroom once, I think at a rest stop, but it was lit and there was no one there. Wow. But um, I had to go mm-hmm. and I had to go to this convenience store. So I, um, I did and I went straight to the bathroom and I had, I had a hoodie on, it's true, but I was cold. I didn't know that once I came into, the, it was cause I moved in, in April. So mm-hmm. I didn't know that some parts of Texas get cold and it was freezing. So I had, and I was like shivering mm-hmm. and I went to the bathroom mm-hmm. and I knew I was going to like almost have an accident. So I just rushed, 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 rushed. And then I came back and I, and I went back out and then mm-hmm. the cop, I didn't do anything. Just go mm-hmm. to the bathroom and come back. And the cop was like, are you all right, miss? First, no, no. He said, hey, miss, miss. And I was just like, I didn't, I acted like I didn't hear mm-hmm. Miss. And, the, and the third time I turned around, he was like, are you okay? And I was like, uh, yeah, I'm fine. If it, if he didn't see me jump into the the moving truck yeah. and, he, and my dog sticking out the window, I don't know what would have happened. Dang. Dogs tend to soften people, so. <laughs> oh, wow. No, it's true. Uh, when people see you as a pet, somehow you become more human. That's insane. I feel, I mean... No, I, I think I appreciate you. Tell me how it is, because I feel like that's good. Because, um, like, I know even you know, general, like the way that people are like talking about, like, you're right, because it is like for you guys, or you know, for people who are African American, or you know, who look, um, you know, darker. It's just that that is life, because it's sad, um, and I feel like that's good that you're you know making a call out on it, because um, you know, on LinkedIn and stuff, I see like Black Lives Matter movement, Black Lives Matter movement, and I feel like whoever is listening, like, it, like you corrected me on it. And I, cause that's how, like, whatever information we see, we get from, you know, people, people who aren't like living it, like they're trying to understand, but it's like, all they're getting fed is the news um, or like whatever they see. So I feel like it's good that you're like correcting us on it. Um, because I feel like if, you know, if people, you know, take power in that and hear from your perspective directly, um, hopefully that ripples down. And I know, like, I even tried asking a couple of my, like African-American tech workers like to chop on this podcast, but for them, it was a lot for them to like go on and, you know, speak up about it. And I feel like it's super empowering that you're willing to be <laughs> like, shoot it for what it is. Like, I like that and I appreciate it. Yeah. I think that part, part, that part comes from yeah. um, like a Caribbean uh, background because racism for Caribbeans is a little bit slightly different. It's, it's, it's slightly different. Uh, where they were more vocal because the institution of slavery wasn't so much ingrained. It was ingrained just like it was ingrained, you know, in Africa, but wasn't as much ingrained in Africa. It wasn't as much ingrained in uh, in Britain and other parts of the world. Um, but in 
the institution of slavery, what, and it's like literally like it's like in, in the blood. And it's sad uh, because I, when I talk to like actual like people yeah. who really, really have the roots, it's just, you know, sometimes you're like, you're not even supposed to think that like, even, even with my own um, family, some, some things like <laughs> friends and family yeah. who will say things that I'm like, you do know that that's rooted in, in like, you know, slavery, like why you don't like people who are dark, like even mm-hmm. in my own family, they're like, don't get too dark. Because wow. I think in the, in the brain, um, it it's like, it's, so so I think you're naturally protective, right? Especially of your family members. So when you think that something could cause danger, then you obviously don't want them to, 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 to go that route. So mm. they'll be like, don't be that, don't, don't be dark. It's going to, because, because I think subconsciously you think it's going to be a problem for them and it shouldn't be. It shouldn't be so like for me i used to always be like be as dark as you want dark, be like midnight if you need to <laughs> <laughs> i don't care be as light as you can be as, because it shouldn't matter either way yeah and i feel like it's empowering that like you're educating me on this because i'm learning a lot about like the differences between like shades and everything um because like i mean you're right like people get treated differently and i feel like for my friends that i did ask like i can see why they're like more scared to like hop on um and like they're also like younger in their careers and i feel like you know um discrimination with colors and stuff i feel like as we talked about like pay inequality and like you know females and even you know males i mean males who are colored like they are probably you know they have that challenge amongst their white colleagues so it's just like a whole cyclic cycle and i feel like it's empowering that you know um like you're speaking up about it because i feel like i like you know it's nice to hear from someone who looks like like for the listeners who are um listening like who looks like you know them and everything um and then i feel like yeah yeah, like um i'm just like transitioning to the last question um if there was anything that like i don't know people in tech or any industry can like help you out with this is what i always end, end with but like um what would you say would it be like whether that be like understanding or like you know um maybe in the future if you're looking for security because i know you're looking for like getting into cloud um security stuff more um i just wanted to like do you have that <laughs> opportunity yeah um i would say that always you know like i said be curious and then like if if something is new especially that's like tech mm-hmm. technically new try try to like learn about it like i'm learning about drones mm. And so, because it's, it's new, and actually I'm late on drones. <laughs> like, you know, like, learn, like try to learn about like the latest, well, maybe it's because I'm always interested in the latest and the greatest. Yeah. Um, but that, that also, that always gives you an edge. So when I, when, when, when I tell people that I'm like, yeah, you know, I'm, you know, I'm trying to learn about drones. Yeah. They're always like, what? I still don't know anything about drones. Like I'm impressed because a friend of mine was like, oh, I just bought a 3D printer. I was like, you have a 3D printer? He was like, yeah, I made my mask with it. He made his own 3D, 3D mask. Wow. And, and stuff like that, I think, is, like, crazy cool. And he's one of the smartest people I know. Wow. Um, and I think that that sort of – and you don't have that money. They have 3D printers for free at, at libraries mm. all over. So they have drones that you can fly at libraries. So 
try to learn because the thing is that if people of color specifically do not learn about technology when mm-hmm. soon everything will be technology based i mean people are doctors and nurses are reading charts on tablets right yeah uh, if you don't learn any in every single field you're going to be on some sort of technology and if you can't like <laughs> get with it understand the nuances of the technologies you're just you're going to be scrubbing toilets not that it's a bad thing it's <laughs> not going to it's just like actually you might not be there might be a robot doing it so then where does that leave you you can fix the robot that's scrubbing the toilet and no, so I- that's what i want people to do is like get get understand technology and understand technology is what the way you move forward I love how raw you are because I mean honestly that <laughs> like with COVID going on I feel like all industries because you know we've seen the service workers um you know I feel bad it's just like you know I, I give a lot of props and credit to our service workers for people who work the front lines who's um work in the groceries and everything but you're right everything's on like at least some sort of tech because even groceries I use Instacart <laughs> or like pick up yeah. or something and then you know they know when I'm here and even target it's like pick up curbside delivery so something everything's um becoming more in tech and I feel like even like I've done research and I've like read articles like now there's like a 90% increase or like 80% increase from last year in demand from people like applying for tech jobs each day like I know like right now it's an employer's market but it's like compared to last year like this wasn't the case because I feel like now everyone's recognizing oh my god like you know a virus or some sort of thing can hit and it's like oh no we can't do our jobs um we have to go in person or yeah yeah like when zoom went down last week yeah so I and, and a good person to follow uh is Richard Brandt uh from Virgin um He's really into tech and he understands, he really values. He, 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 he's one of the few entrepreneurs and I, that is not like a techie like Mark Zuckerberg, but yeah. who understands the value of technology. Yeah. Um, Elon Musk is a tech. Um, you know, um, the guy that, that uh, what's his name from Twitter? He's, he's a tech, so he, so he understands he understands it from a techie standpoint. But, but Richard Brent is not a tech. Yet he appreciates it, he invests in it, mm-hmm. and he tries to learn. And that's why he's very successful. Because as soon as he can, he, he's like, you know what, I'm going to jump on this. I'm going to do this. And you know what, I think this is very important for the world. Mm-hmm. And, he, and he puts his money, and he, and, and, and he puts his heart, and he, really, and he doesn't put his money where he doesn't believe mm-hmm. in it. So he believes in it. And uh, I think that you, you, we need more people like him. Yes, we're always going to have the Elon Musk's and the you know the, mm-hmm. the Bill Gates and the Mark Zuckerberg's, um, and we need them. But mm-hmm. we also need people who are not from that sector, who says, "But this is good, and we should pool our resources and make it better." Because eventually, everything is going to be contactless. Everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So then, what do you do now? Where do people go? One of the, the things that he did say that I thought was really interesting, which is what, what he yeah. said, he said, when everything becomes contactless, he said, then people are going to be bored and I'm already invest. He's already investing in entertainment services that wow. can be delivered. He, he, he didn't say exactly how, but he was just like, 
when every he said people are going to be bored because everything everybody everything else is going to be done robotically digitally whatever so then how do we entertain these minds and he he was just like so i'm looking at entertainment mm-hmm. um based solutions to deliver to those people because they will pay for that like like everyone's paying for netflix right everyone's paying for amazon yeah. prime and he's already on that forefront and that is a guy that's the mindset that we have to that we all have to i think get to and that's what i want um this next generation to get to i think that's empowering because like you're giving me insight that i i mean honestly i wasn't even thinking of because like um yeah i'm just like really like happy that I like met you and I'm like neighbors with you because I feel like I'm drawing like I don't know if you've seen the matrix but I feel like I'm talking to the oracle I'm very nerdy <laughs> I'm like <laughs> where Neo is like getting advice and like <laughs> wisdom and I'm like you're like correcting me <laughs> um as I'm like you know trying to like make comments. no I don't think I'm correcting you I don't I, at least I hope I'm not correcting you because I think that you know you have a lot of value you know I'm learning from you as well. So um, I don't see it as correcting. I just think of like, this is informative in a bi-directional way. That's nice to hear. Cause I was just like, I don't know. I just feel like Oracle <laughs> and I'm like Neo. <laughs> cause maybe it's because I have black hair and like, I mean, you know, the girl version of Neo. And like, I know Neo was like, you know, techie, he was like playing with computers, like trying to figure out how to break the status quo. And I feel like we're talking about that, like how to break the status quo um, with how <laughs> the future is. But you're just so blunt. Sorry. Like, um, you know. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. Don't apologize. I, I have no choice but to be to be blunt. There's a, 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 a comedian, Wanda Sykes, and she talks about like how life is different after 40. <laughs> she talks about that it's, it's it's a really good skit. It's a small skit. You can find it on YouTube. But she was like, you know, after 40, you just, she said, you just don't give a F. And I was, and, and I watched, I watched the skit. Like, I had, I think I had just turned 40. This is an old skit. Wow. Or just maybe I was 41. And I was trying to figure out, like, why do I feel different? Like, why do I just say what I want to say? I don't even understand what's coming out of my mouth. And then I watched the skit and I was just like, she's right. It's a certain point and you're just like like you've earned your stripes you know and so that's where i'm at i've earned my stripes <laughs> no that's good to hear i still feel like i'm neo in training and like still like playing with the dabbling with the little gadgets the computer <laughs> or yeah or i need like morpheus for like guidance and like looking for people i always think of like the red pill or blue pill and i'm like oh i'm choosing the red pill <laughs> Uh, sorry. I hear you. This is like very. No, no. I, I love Matrix references. <laughs> love that. Love that. Um. Yeah. No. I just wanted to like thank you for your time. Um. And I I'll like end the recording and then yeah we can follow follow up. But um. Yeah. I just like really appreciate like how you're raw and everything. Thank you. I appreciate <laughs> that. I appreciate you appreciating that. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Simply Heard. I hope you enjoyed the conversation I had with my neighbor, Pat Galen. From this, I really hope y'all, you know, try to get to know the community around you. And if you click with someone, do something together. And if you don't have the time, maybe revisit that conversation later. Or just know something 
about yourself or become more self-aware. And for me, it was just really amazing to have someone that can follow the flow that I had. So I definitely took that away from this discussion. And yeah, and I hope you guys continue to tune in to more episodes of Simply Heard. All right, see y'all.